Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. If you like our show, you're going to love the Jordan Harbinger Show on Podcast One. This week, Jordan joins former NBA Lakers superstar and Oscar Award winner, you may have heard of him, Kobe Bryant, for an unforgettable conversation that you do not want to miss. Check out the Jordan Harbinger Show every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Yahoo has officially released their daily fantasy football contests, and they are pretty awesome. They have a $1 million contest with no management fee and $100,000 to first place, meaning more money goes back to you, the players. 10 entry max, so you're not playing against people with 150 lineups like on some other sites. Yahoo also has a $100,000 guaranteed contest, so there are lots of prizes out there. If you're just getting started with daily fantasy football, they have a free version as well, the Yahoo Cup. And you can play all season long with $150,000 in weekly and season-long prizes. And guess what? If you get the perfect lineup, $1 million for free. Get started right now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. The September 19th, wow, time flies, edition of the PFF Forecast. We are going to get ready for week three. We're going to talk about the Thursday night game. We're going to talk a little bit about Super Bowl futures because it's never too... Uh, too early to do so and then as usual we are going to battle it out to decide what the lock of the week should be for this week by the way we hit the lock of the week Gardner Minshew I should say hit the lock of the week last week so we'll be making a donation today as well and then we both have cool stories from the Cincy YMCA we do yep start uh let's talk about the quarterbacks because you were in a meeting today and i stumbled upon this uh what appears to be free money on the floor oh um free money you don't stumble upon that too (laughs) often here big ben uh cam darnold Foles, but probably most importantly drew Brees are out this week and for all the subsequent weeks and i found on an old friend a prop that had the line on the number of Teddy Bridgewater wins as a starting quarterback this season at six and a half. What would you have made that? So if we had come up with this idea for this prop, what would you have made it yourself? Well, I think he probably starts, I think seven games is probably good. I'm assuming this only counts if he starts the game, right? Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is he might not even technically start some of these games and But I would say, I mean, I would probably put it at, I mean, if you have to put it at a half, I'd put it at three and a half. Oh, wow. I would have put it at three. Yeah. Because I don't think he starts every game first off. I don't think he's very good second off. That's where you and I differ, but yes. Right. So my my point would be, even if he starts a couple of games and they go one and one, I could easily see him not getting the start, you know, the third game. And you never want, Drew Brees is a wily coyote could see him coming back a week early um, especially if they're not doing well six and a half is absurd i mean whether you go three three and a half that's double i would take the under on him starting six and a half let alone winning six the only issue was when you alerted me to this you said the max bet was 30 i was ready to risk it all (laughs) i was ready to go all in i was taking the shirt off my back selling my shoes um to put it all in there but i was only able to bet 25 dollars but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a huge thing. It's not like a, and it's at like a very recreational book, et cetera, et cetera. But it is money that's 
that's on the floor. I have a bigger league-wide question, though, to do with the quarterbacks. Okay. And I'm worried, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm very worried because I like scoring, unlike very many people out there that really love defense and hate touchdowns. I really like scoring. And through two weeks, the league averages in terms of EPA per play, per run play, per pass play, most importantly, um, just comparing weeks one and two overall to historical seasons. You know what season it looks a lot like? 2017. 2017. And it's it's by far the worst. Those are the two worst seasons. 2017, like the worst season uh, in the past like five or so in terms of offense. And what we saw in that season was a lot of quarterback injuries, right? Yep. And we saw people write articles for 538 that said, you know, good luck scoring. The, the era of scoring in the NFL is, over. is over. Uh, you know, all that kind so of stuff. You, what can save us here? I mean, because we have quarterback injuries. We also have teams that, I mean, aside from the Chiefs, right? Like the Rams offense doesn't look nearly as good as, you know, it did a season ago. I guess there's the Ravens and the. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Cowboys who are picking it up. But I do feel overall there's a real lack of offensive excitement. Well, I think there's a couple of things. So our, our colleague Kevin Cole wrote an article about about penalties and how they're increasing holding specifically. The hard part about holding, though, is I, I feel like if you called fewer holding penalties, teams would run more. Yeah. Because holding is like a negative feedback on running and running is like this like trap right where you can have a very you can have a vikings like game in in week one against the falcons still run the ball well against green bay but be terrible offensively because you can't throw um so maybe like would you just say hey stop calling holding on pass plays (laughs) i i think the pi stop calling offensive pass interference i think the opi is the bigger one from an offensive perspective but I mean, that's a couple of plays here and there, and I get the overall. You know, I, I, more PIs are being called, and to me, that's like three tenths of a percent for both types. To me, that's an indictment on the the rule because I think refs don't want to they don't want to look bad, right? So they're mm-hmm. trying to call it more frequently, um, and it's such a gray area. So it's very weird. It feels unnatural to create a penalty in those situations. So I do think that's a component of it. Um, I mean, basically, we need quarterbacks to step up a little bit. So I think we can save the season. And there are a couple of quarterbacks that I'm looking at in particular. One is Baker Mayfield. Yep, he needs to play better. It has been a a real disaster. They did not look great against the woeful Jets. Um, But if he steps up, there's a couple others, I think, Obviously, Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott have already. Have to stay good. Stay good. Jimmy G. Has to stay good. I mean, he's played, he played okay last week. Yeah, beginning to rise from that. He's shoving the stone away. Right, right, right. Um, but there are at least some quarterbacks out there. You've Kyler Murray as well. I think those three quarterbacks getting back on the horse and being you know, top 10 quarterbacks yeah. could save the season. And you need a hit rate of about 50%. On the Mason Rudolphs, the Daniel Joneses, mm-hmm. uh, the Gardner Minshews. I'm not. I'm going to throw Luke Falk out of that situation because yeah, for, for you know, uh, and you need Darnold to come back and be okay. Honestly, a guy, and I've been looking at the statistics here. Like, there's a guy we might have to eat crow about. Josh Allen through two weeks, and granted, against two of the worst teams in the NFL, 83 uh, percent adjusted completion percentage, uh, eight out of of nine yards per attempt. So not 
not dink and dunk stuff. 31.3% of his passes have been positively graded. Only 12% have been negatively graded. And what I think is the most impressive thing, he only has 3% of his throws are big time throws. So he's not doing it. It's not the down the field, like wow stuff that he was drafted for. It's literally the intermediate stuff that's getting positive grades, but not like these big time throw grades. And then only 1.5% of his passes are turnover worthy. I have a rule, he has though. to maintain that. I I do not eat crow until after Christmas. Oh no, I don't. But <laughs> but he would go a long way towards oh, you know sure. the the league having better scoring. Also, some guys that need to step I, up. I, frankly, I got, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan. Need I to play will better. say this though: the Bills are probably not making it on a prime time unless something really crazy happens. I mean, that's how I judge it, right? When I go into a week, do I know that I'm going to get three to four games each week? in the right slot where I can watch great football happen. Mm-hmm. And right now, unless it's the Chiefs and, and or the Patriots, I just do not feel that way. I think we're, we're going to talk about the Sunday night game shortly. That one is really interesting because you just there were two quarterbacks you just yeah. mentioned. All right, we'll move on from the quarterback discussion. Uh, Super Bowl, it's never too early. The, the Patriots are, I mean, the obvious favorite, right? Um, plus 350. Uh, I think in the betting markets, they are the obvious favorite. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Kansas City, who has looked really good, I think, but have had some injuries. And haven't played anybody. And haven't played anybody yet. About plus 700. Cowboys, plus 1,200. Baltimore uh, skyrocketing upwards at plus 2,000. Um, our simulations say some things that are slightly different. Well, I mean, we have New England. We make New England plus 340, so there's not much value on New England, but we have them, I think, properly pegged here. Kansas City, we make about 505, so there is some value if you want to take Kansas City as a a future. You don't have to tempt me because I think Kansas City would be utterly – I mean, they have to be making a play for Jalen Ramsey. I I would imagine so. And we talk about this all the time. So we talked about this with the Cleo Mack trade. You made a great point, which is – Wins above replacement can be distributed differently and mean different things for different teams. And there is no team in the NFL for whom Jalen Ramsey's 0.7 wins above replacement would have a bigger impact for two reasons. The first is they have one of the worst coverage units in the NFL. They are closer to replacement level players than you will find on any other team. And secondarily, they are at the upper tier in terms of winning games where those tenths of a win put in the right place are going to mean more right if it means home field advantage that is humongous so i not only is there value as it currently stands but i think the market is overreacting to tyreek hill who apparently was dribbling a basketball yesterday with both hands and should they get jalen ramsey i mean how euphoric would you be yeah i mean well and here's the thing as we wrote about yesterday in our amazon web services article about about uh the new orleans saints saying it all out there has not been a team without a first round buy that has made the super bowl since the 2012 baltimore ravens and it's because of what we just said right and this could mean this year might be a little bit more tenuous but it's difficult to win three consecutive games against good quarterbacks and or good coaches and or good defenses. And so if you can get that by, that's like for, I mean, Bowie, uh, Ramsey's wins above replacement means so much more for Kansas City going from 12 wins to 12.7 or 12, you know, 13 wins. Sir, you cannot win a seven. A seven then the Jaguars win. going from 5.5 wins to 6.3 wins, right? Like, and so he has different utility there. The issue with Kansas City 
And the question be, the question becomes for them: Do you want to win a Super Bowl in Patrick Mahomes' it, his first his initial contract? Because for them, the 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 draft picks that they've given up for you know players mm-hmm. are starting to add up a little bit. Mahomes sure. being one of them, Frank Clark being another. But I, I would certainly be ecstatic with uh, Jalen Ramsey in uh, red and gold. Oh, you have to do it. Yeah. If you can in any way, shape, or form without obviously leveraging all of your draft capital, but something reasonable because you just never know, right? And Pat mm-hmm. Mahomes is playing as well as any quarterback has played. And you know, crazy things can happen. Hopefully nothing, nothing bad does happen, but I think you have to do it. Dallas and Baltimore are interesting because both of those teams are ones that after running our simulations, I was surprised we were as high on yep. because usually the process we built is very good at not overreacting to things. But they have been incredibly good. And there are a couple things for both these teams that make me bullish. The first one was Baltimore is running play action close to 50% of the time, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yep. And Lamar Jackson, similar to Josh Allen, probably more so than Josh Allen, is making accurate throws. Especially yep. down the field. And it, it, yes, that, that's a big thing. So that's one. And then Dallas is doing something that I did not expect. They're using play action a ton. Dak has been great on it. But they're also avoiding running in disadvantageous situations, yep. which is the last thing you expected. We talked about how we thought they'd do that more after yep. signing Zeke. But they're one of the best teams right now, I think you probably have in front of you, on second and long passing, yep. which is what you'd expect if Kellen Moore had his druthers, but you wouldn't have expected that to actually come to fruition. Dallas, a neutral game script sort of, they're making the right decision on second down better than any team in the NFL, but by a lot. And they're successful on over 60% of their second downs, which is unreal, right? I mean, uh, that's tough. Dak Prescott, almost 90% adjusted completion percentage. Every time he drops back to pass, Dallas gains three quarters of an expected point. That's great. Lowest lowest negatively graded throw rate in the league and zero turnover worthy plays so far. So I think when when you think about the math on this, it, I do agree with you that it, it's somewhat counterintuitive that we would take two teams we were a little lower on and we'd skyrocket them after two weeks of playing kind of crappy teams. But here's the thing that I think helps them in our simulation is what well, baseline fundamentals are good, but also the schedule has gotten a lot easier for both of these teams. Sure. When you look at Baltimore, their two games against Pittsburgh are easier now without Big mm-hmm. Ben. Dallas, again, their schedule is already easy to begin with going into the season, but you've seen some dominoes fall in the NFC that's made that a little bit easier. So the paths are simpler for these two teams. And and cover you know couple that with, I think, marginal increases in what we've seen in their power rankings, and, and you get value here. Dallas at plus... 1200 Baltimore plus 2000 are good values. Which one would you rather take if you had to take one? Baltimore, I think. I mean, I like Dallas and, and it's clear that Kellen Moore is, is a is a huge improvement, um but I need to see it against I mean, I've seen Baltimore and how smart they are against teams like Kansas City sure. last season and so forth. Dallas less of a track record. I like Baltimore more as a team, but the real kicker here for me is the best team in their division. So the Cowboys have the yeah, Eagles and Baltimore has, I mean, maybe the Browns and maybe Pittsburgh. Here. Get out of here. It, but no, probably not. Yeah. yeah, probably not. Okay. Um, Should we talk about tonight's game? Oh, do we have to? And in, and, and as gonna make, I was hoping you'd say, can we talk about college? I was actually, no, but you brought, let's up leave college. Let's leave college for later. So tonight's disgusting game between the Titans and the Jags. Well, cause I want to talk about the AFC South. Oh, 
in, in a. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. Because <laughs> tonight's game, obviously, Tennessee goes on the road to face Jacksonville. Jacksonville 0 and 2, Tennessee 1 and 1, disappointing loss at home to Indianapolis. Right now in the AFC South, at a, at a reputable book I'm, I'm looking at, Houston is still the favorite, but they're only plus 175. The Indianapolis Colts are the second most likely team to win that division, according to these odds, at plus 200, followed by Tennessee at plus 250. Wow. If, there's, if that's not an overreaction to the first two, like the yo-yoing of the overreacting to... exact theory of gambling. Dr- rubbing the Browns in week one on the road, yep. and then losing a disappointing game at home to a team that's not nearly as talented as you, but when it comes to head coaching, laps you six times. Right. Uh, it's, th- it's this one here. I... And we like the Colts number is, is fair. I think the Colts are a, basically a plus 200 team to win that division. But we would actually probably flip Tennessee and Houston, which is which is so tough to do because my my pushback here mm-hmm. is that Houston has the two best players in this division. Probably three if you count Watt. Yeah, well, I was I'm Jalen Ramsey is still a Jaguar. Sure. Okay. He probably won't be for much longer, but um that's what makes it so hard because if you said, hey, Houston – so think about it this way. Remember last year for this division, we had the you know win or go home game in Tennessee. And if you have that same game, but it is Texans or Colts against the Titans, I don't care where it's played, you're going to have a real hard time convincing me that Marcus Mariota and Mike Vrabel are a better duo – than Frank Reich and Jacoby Brissett or Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien. Okay. For the first reason, because I think Frank Reich is brilliant. Yeah. And the second reason, because I think Deshaun Watson is brilliant. Yeah. The only issue I have with Watson is, has always been the issue, which is that he doesn't protect himself. Just win, baby. He doesn't protect. He'll die before he'll lose that game. He doesn't protect himself. That defense is not very good. Um, and, I, I just am very bearish on Houston. Um, but at the same time, you can't convince me to put any fraction of a farm on, on Tennessee to win that division either, despite uh, you know, the price. Um so as it as it pertains to tonight, let's you know, as we sort of think about uh, you know, going through the slate and going through the spreads and everything, we have you know, Tennessee is a point and a half favorite at, in Jacksonville tonight. You know, looks like bad weather, totals down underneath forty. Um are are we kind of like Tennessee here by the numbers, right? Yeah, which is a hard one for me. Right, is it? Morally. It did not make our spread picks article. If you go to pff.com right. for a reason, for a reason, I I can very easily see Tennessee coming in here and winning by multiple scores. Really, but I at the can't s- see that because I think Tennessee. It's weird because we were on Jacksonville last week uh-huh. on the road against against Houston. But to me, I always think of Houston as that team that can let a team like Buffalo, let a team like Jacksonville hang around because they give up sacks, they fumble the ball around a little bit, sure. their defense gives up some big plays. I I think Tennessee is one of those teams that dr- you know drubs the bottom feeders of the world and struggles against oh. basically middle-of-the-pack teams and great teams. And I think Jacksonville right now, as much as I like how, how gritty Garter Minshew is and I like the defense generally, I think Jacksonville is a bottom feeder in this, in this, in this uh, league. I, I can see where you're coming from, but then I picture Gardner Minshew and what he's going to show up to this game wearing. 
and the confidence that that's going to instill when he's stretching in his jock strap in the locker room. And how much more money did you bet on that game once you once you saw that tweet? Oh, how many farms? I, I actually have a story that I've been keeping uh, from you just for this podcast. We're going to talk about the lock of the week that they cemented last week and what I did um, with my winnings there. Um, I just I can't. The better quarterback is at home getting points, Stop. and so for that reason, I cannot and will no. not. I, there is just I have not seen a. I've not. I will shade Marcus Mariota every day of every week, but he is not. He is not worse than Gardner Minshew. He is. He's worth. He's a worse quarterback. He's a worse leader. Um, and I actually think I feel bad for Marcus Mariota because I think he's had kind of a crappy situation. For um, sure, but. Uh, the the Jaguars are actually going to play Jalen Ramsey. It appears, which I think is ridiculous. Um, why would you wouldn't do that, right? No, no, absolutely not. Unless unless you were intent on keeping him, like unless you thought you were convinced. This game was going to convince you to keep him. Um, but uh, and then here's the kicker. Let me check. Let me check the weather here because. There's probably like a monsoon coming, and we know how Gardner Minshew will handle that. Mariota still just wind off. 16 miles per hour. Yeah, yeah, I can just see Mariota drops back, pocket is clean, throws over I'm, the middle, gust of wind. I'm sorry, but you're interception. You're, you're going to pick, pick another. You're gonna you're going to pick Gardner Minshew because the other quarterback is going to throw a flutterer in the wind. I. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Gardner Minshew has seen some things. <laughs> I, I believe it. Wind in his face is not going to fluster my man. This Minshew. sounds really bad, but when I, when I think about this game, I think for worst, not for better, but for I worst, mean, they're going to run the football, both teams. And the, the team that actually has a talented running back is the Titans. Gardner Minshew has been the better quarterback than Marcus, Marcus Mariota this season. From a PFF grading standpoint, I don't disagree. Has been Mariota still beneath the hundred. Better throwing from a clean pocket, clean pocket which is stunning. Um, I, I just so for that reason we're laying off this game, and for that reason there is I would just not be able to bet on the Titans. However, you could potentially convince me to bet on other things associated with the game. Yeah, like there's a prop like to do so. There's a prop I like tonight, which oh, again, a first time for everything. You're not gonna like. I like Delaney Walker's over forty three and a half receiving yards minus one ten. Are they? Is there a chance that there's a like trick play that AJ Brown throws him a pass or? No, I think, <laughs> I think the linebackers for the Jaguars are weak mm-hmm. now that Telvin Smith had re- has retired. Maybe more so that their cornerbacks are, are strong. strong, right? And I so I think if there's an exploitive place for. The Titans in the passing game, I think it's Walker. Uh, and I think the safeties, I mean, obviously the safeties for the Jaguars aren't, aren't that good as well. Rodney Harrison is a guy that, like, he's just a guy. And, and so I like this one. This was the, literally the only one. It was sort of reassuring for our fantasy projections that basically they were on market for everything else. But this was one uh, where I think the over is a solid play. I'm with you. I would rather bet on Delaney Walker over 43 and a half than any side of this game. So there's that. Uh, is this the most excited you've been for the annual Jaguars Titans Thursday nighter? No. Oh, really? I mean, because we're we're not going to see the Jags in those like what? Do you, what is that color? Even? Yeah, like, but we get brown. So we like, get the Ramsey thing, escrement tan, the <laughs> and Titans in like <laughs> navy like blue. Stained, yeah. stained my jerseys here. My bad. Um, <laughs> You don't, you know, it's it's widely available in Florida. So, <laughs> right, right. Um, but you have the Jalen Ramsey situation, 
and you have Gardner Minshew, who's by far the best quarterback that the Jaguars have suited up since who Mark Brunel. So, all right, let's move on here. Lock of the week. Last week, we took the Jaguars. I believe it was plus nine. And then the picture of Gardner Minshew getting off the plane surfaces. It goes to plus seven. <laughs> um, and that was it, right? That that was what it was. And they they played kind of inspired ish football, aside from the continuous running of Leonard Fournette straight and, uh, into penalties and the fump. Uh-uh. I mean, the holdings on third and one yeah. were just incessant. But they stuck with it. How they tilted were you during that game? I mean, I, of course I was. <laughs> Losing my mind. <laughs> Bill O'Brien goes for the one fourth down. He, he's ever gone for that, that, and it hurts us. And Watson basically is tackled at the one, and he surges forward. Yeah, it was just incredible. But um, we finally get an opportunity to uh, donate. Now, when I saw what Gardner Minshew wore, I went and I put a little bit of extra on there, and so I actually have made a second donation. Um, and it was kind of a me gift and a donation. So I bought some new shoes that say F cancer on the back. Nice, nice. So like I think 20% of it goes to, to cancer. So I donated a second time and got some new shoes out of it, which you'd love to see. So thank you, Gardner Minshew. Have you made your donation yet? Uh, I am going to, after the show, to International Justice Mission. And again, thank you, Gardner Minshew, for uh, doing that. Also, the, uh, the Jaguars defense as well. I mean, yes. Um, so I, I uh, there's a particular Ronald McDonald uh, Children's Hospital or um, like cancer center in L.A. that I donate to. Um, but find your own, make a donation, and uh, hopefully this week's lock of the week will hit as well. Are you ready to dive in? Yeah, let's go. All right, which game you want to throw up first? Uh, let's just go in order. Let's go. Uh, this one almost made the cut. In fact, this is the this is the subject of a bet between. Myself and our boss, Neil Hornsby. This is true. Cincinnati plus six at Buffalo, total 44. Um, probably brief, but this game is just, I feel as though I know so little about both of these teams. Uh-huh. And while I do, to me, the Bengals are certainly better than they looked on Sunday. And six feels like too many, but I also am assuming that Josh Allen just like comes back to earth and that would be really painful to lose to because Josh, Josh Allen. Allen turns out to actually be, be doing very well. So I do think there is a good bit of value on the Bengals um, given that it's six, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I I'm the same. I, I like, I like the Bengals only because I was in a conversation with Neil about them. Um, what did you guys decide the bet was going to be? I think if the, if the bills cover the spread, I have to wear a suit I think next Thursday, including the podcast. And then uh, I think if if the Bengals cover, I think Neil has to – I can't remember what it is. I think Neil has to eat cheese pizza for like a week or you something. You already d- did that though. Yeah. I'm trying to remember actually. I'll have to ask It should him. be that he doesn't get to drink Coke Zero. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I kind of – You got your suit ready? Um. Uh, yeah, I have my suit ready. <laughs> <laughs> you okay there? Yep. All right. Um, let's let's move onward then, since it's not going to be uh, Bengals Bills. Let's go to. Well, actually, let's talk quickly about the two twenty plus point spreads. Okay. Do you have any desire? 
I mean, I think the right side is both dogs, but I don't have any desire to make them the lock of the week. Really? Yeah. 20 plus. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I just don't. For me, for me, it's one of those things where I don't know the motive. Like, honestly, like, how motivated are the Dolphins? And the other thing is for a couple of these teams, like, I mean, Dallas is still trying to prove to the world that they're still a good team. True. That being said, Dallas has let the other team score. Like we got, we we didn't have the under hit last week. Yeah, yeah. So, um, if you had to take one, which one would you go with? Though? Uh, it's got to be the Dolphins. I think it has to be the Dolphins, just because I I just have absolutely zero faith in uh, Luke Lucas Falk. Falk. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you there. I think the Dolphins. Um, if you have to hold your nose and. Take cold water. Yep. All right. Next one uh, that is probably a real game that we uh, actually want to discuss here briefly. The Denver Broncos getting seven and a half in Green Bay. Um, seven and a half is a nice number mm-hmm. to get. And my question is, is that enough to make Joe Flacco seem feeling? Uh, man, I, I do like I do like Denver's side on this. I think Green Bay is is very much like here's a crazy one beating two bad offenses and now um uh, you know and now joe flacco uh and aaron Rodgers basically the same grade i know so far this season you know who's gonna love that is uh our buddy ben baldwin yeah he he does not like aaron Rodgers. hate is a strong word yeah but but uh so given that they're similar quarterbacks Seven and a half seems like a lot, right? I yes, I do think so. I think Green Bay. So this would imply that Green Bay is you know three and a half, four points better, five you know five points maybe on on a neutral field. And I just don't you know from our Elo perspective, I guess Green Bay has risen here, and it's in many reasons because their defense has been pretty good. Uh, the Broncos certainly aren't going to change that, um, but. Uh, <sighs> I don't know. I, the the Broncos gave the Bears a game last week. I think the Bears and the Packers are very similarly yoked teams, so they'll probably at least be able to keep this within a touchdown. I don't like it as a lock of the week because I don't like Joe Flacco. Okay, really didn't have to sell me hard on that one. I'm I'm totally out. Um, all right, how about Ravens Chiefs? When well, we when we talked about this game on Sunday night or Monday morning, I think both of us felt as though six and a half seven would would elicit a backing of the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. It is six and a half. So are we still doing that? Well, it looks like our numbers, um, you know, I, I, I like I, our numbers like Kansas City. It has moved down from seven to six and a half. Um, but what I really like here is the over. Uh, and and it's opened at fifty one, got all the way out to like fifty four, fifty five. Now it's back to fifty two and a half. I think it's very much a buy. Uh, it's a, it's very much a buy at fifty two and a half, in my opinion. Um, so I don't know. That that's where I like to see this game. I think the Ravens' defense is a little bit more uh, uh, vulnerable than people want to say. You know the. The Cardinals got inside the ten yard line a bunch of times, had to kick field goals. Otherwise, that would have been probably to, they didn't have to right. They decided to, but but also Kansas City is one of those teams where, you know, Tyreek Hill being out might suppress this number a little bit. But we've seen that you know he can make you know Mahomes can make do with Tammy Watkins. He can make do 
with uh, Demarcus Robinson, Travis Kelsey. Uh, and I think the kicker here is that both running backs are out, uh, which means I think Kansas City will throw more, and that just means more points. Both quarterbacks playing at a ridiculous level. Each of them has an over 135 pass rating when clean and under pressure, making big-time throws at over 7%, mm-hmm. which is more than double the league average turnover worthy plays at below the league average. Jimmy Smith is going to be out again. The chiefs can't cover if Jalen Ramsey plays tonight. That means he can't play for Kansas city. Mm -hmm. Um, This was a very competitive game last year. I would expect it to be competitive again. That means you need to score to win all of those things. And the Tyreek Hill thing, it does. I do think it is a bigger deal against a team like Mm -hmm. the Ravens who is actually decent. Whereas with the Raiders, it does not matter. Could be you or I out there. So that gives me a little bit of pause. But I think we should keep this one in consideration yeah. because um, rooting for points with Pat Mahomes seems, seems like a fair thing to do. Usually a good thing to be on. What about Colts at home laying a point and a half? It was two at one point. Laying a point and a half against our Falcons who got off the schneid last week. This is a perfect letdown game for the Falcons, right? I think so. They're, they go on the road. It, we felt like this happened multiple times last year where they got a little bit of something. Felt like it was better than nothing and mm-hmm. then just died. So I, I again have to go back to the simple fact that the better quarterback is getting points here, which makes it tough for me. Yeah. I have trouble going against him. But And, and here's the other thing. We gave Dan Quinn positive reinforcement on that fourth down decision. Mm-hmm. So what if all of a sudden the floodgates open and yeah. he's just going for every fourth and short? That definitely helps him a little bit. Darius Leonard still in a concussion protocol. Um, obviously, no Andrew Luck. You know, we, we've seen some good things out of Brissett. I think the coach coaching advantage is clearly on the side of Reich here, um, but I think the talent is clearly on the side of of the Falcons. Um, you know, I'm going to make the Falcons win again, though. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I could totally see the Colts, like, blowing out the Falcons in a in a very, like, demoralizing way. Um, but I'm not – I don't I don't know if I'm, I'm all that firm on it. I've never let this happen to me, and I'm not going to let it happen now. Yep. I've ne- you know, you, this happens, I feel like, all the time in, in TV shows or real life where, you know, you break up with someone, mm-hmm. like, we're over. And, you know, I'm just not going back to that that well again. And then all of a sudden they come back just one time. Say, you know what? I miss you. I've kind of like it's like a bad. I've kind of been a bad, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, just just let me give me one more chance. And then you do and you just get burned again. Not me. Not this guy. Um, All right. So for that reason, we are taking it off the list. What about Oakland at Minnesota? Oakland getting nine, getting nine. Uh total 43 and a half Minnesota coming off of a, a, a miserable loss frankly in Green Bay Kirk Cousins 31 grade so far through two games Derek Carr not quite as bad Cousins Cousins ratio of big time throws to turnover worthy throws is like I mean it's a one to nine well, I was saying this like uh, ridiculous yeah I mean like almost half a, of Kirk Cousins Negatively graded throws end up being turnover worthy. He has a 75 passer rating when clean. Now, cars at 80, so, you know, yeah. neither of them are great. Though, this feels like the team the, the Vikings beat. Yeah. 
They, this is the team right, that Cousins can beat. Can this is how Cousins gets to eight wins every year. Dalvin Cook is going to have 700 carries in this game. Prove God, me wrong. Can't wait. So let's uh, let's take that one off the list. Jets, Patriots already discussed. I, no, absolutely not. I mean, do you think they cross the 50? Uh, no, I, I, the only way that I can see this game, you know, the jets covering is I think that new England wins like 21, nothing. Yeah. They just sold yeah, it away. Yeah. Sony, Sony, Michelle plays quarterback, um, lions, Eagles, Eagles minus six. It's tough. Cause the Eagles have a lot of injuries. I think those are starting to get, uh, you know, picked up in the, in the model. Um, this has come down a little bit since opening, um, you know, Wentz didn't play great. On Sunday night, he made some good throws. Stafford has had a decent time of it so far. 122.6 pass rating win clean. Um, Taylor Decker, questionable. So you could see some of that pass rush for, mm-hmm. for the, for the Eagles getting to, you know, the line. I just, for here, I can't, I can't support backing the Lions on the road, uh, against a team with a very good coach and probably even with all of the issues, uh, a, a more, um, a far more talented roster. So I'm going to lay off here. Philly uh, has the uh, third lowest EPA per early down play. And uh, that's just something that I would like to avoid having to having to bet on. Um, <laughs> this is one that I personally would have gone the other way with. Cardinals Panthers. The Cardinals are getting two and a half at home. I think the Panthers are terrible. Now, the Cam Newton news comes out. That worries me, though, because now they have an upgrade at, at passer. But Cam Newton wasn't running, so it's just a waste. Like, why are you playing Cam Newton if he, if he can't um, run? I guess there's theoretically a chance that Newton plays. He hasn't been ruled out yet, but I would assume he does not. And I have Brandon Allen in the model here. Um, so the thing is, is I think this is, again, another classic sort of overreaction. People are going to overreact to the fact the Panthers lost two consecutive home games to start the season against a probably a good team and a not-so-good team. The not-so-good team was on national television, so people are pretty upset about that. Newton, I, I, we're going to come up with this when we get to Pittsburgh as well. The downgrade from Newton to Allen is a lot smaller than people think because of how poorly Newton has been playing. Mm-hmm. Allen has played, you know, he held off Will Greer. wasn't that hard, but he played well uh, in, New- in Newton's stead a season ago. Um, one, but, and then the Cardinals were, I think, pretty competitive on the road in Baltimore last week, which I think people are going to give, you know, lend a decent amount of credence to. But when you look at this, I think Kingsbury still sort of getting his feet wet, Mm -hmm. poor decision-making Panthers. I think their defense is better than it was in the past or how we predicted it. And so I think this is just overreaction on both ends. I like where I like where, where Carolina is here. I think Arizona is still one of the worst teams in the league, and Carolina is not. Better quarterback at home getting points. That's all I'll say. Uh, Daniel Jones, six and a half point underdog in Tampa Bay. Um, to me, this seems like a wonderful opportunity to fade the guy that played against third stringers in preseason and did well, and everyone's hyped up about. Mm-hmm. Um, and really the bigger issue is that the giants can't defend anybody. And if there's ever a team that, you know, you want coming into your place to get your offense back on track, it is this giants defense and the bucks actually have some playmakers now on the defensive side of the ball where they can take advantage of uh, rookie quarterback. So I kind of like this one, but, um, you 
are are skeptical, and I think it's because you have been driving the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bandwagon. You have been captaining that ship, and it hasn't been the smoothest ride. Is that is that right? <laughs> yeah. Is that why you're averse to this one? Yeah, I I'm not really a fan uh, of. <sighs> I mean, the issue. You are a fan of Jameis Winston. I am a fan of Jameis Winston as and a his concept. 20, and his 24 passer rating under pressure. Yeah. And 7% turnover worthy play rate. He, he, he limited that the other day, although he did throw a play to been pass worse. to Luke Keekley that was uh, unreal. They've, they've been worse per pass than per run. I think your better play here, though, is the under. Um, because we, and we see, you know, I tweeted out the other day how good the Giants have been running the football, especially on early down or early early game but also early downs Tampa Bay has been terrific at rushing the passer Shaq Barrett three sacks on the last Thursday night's game um, obviously they sort of like built this idea of, of Newton being a little bit more contained on mm. Thursday night mm-hmm. that game went under right despite you know that was a 51 or something like that Giants know we're not as good of an offense as no. the Panthers so and for, their only play is to run the ball and their only play is to run the ball they still don't have any receivers I think they're going to try to quote protect Daniel Jones so for me at 48 here I sort of like the under uh, a little bit enough to make it the lock of the week no all right onward we move um Texans Chargers this is actually kind of an interesting game but at three, I, this is kind of tough. I, I think this is pretty spot on, right? The Chargers have suffered a ridiculous number of injuries. Mm-hmm. The Texans have never die, never quit to Sean Watson. Um, That's tough. I think this will be one of the more entertaining games of the week, but I want nothing to do with either side. Yeah, uh, this number has popped out from... So if you look at you know cover probabilities and all that stuff on green line you know, like three it's sort of three's at minus 120 so yeah. you have to bump up your your cover probability uh the, in those situations it bumps out to three and a half every once in a while we've seen quickly goes back to three because i think people are willing to bet the texans plus three and a half here yep. against the chargers team that should be better right but they should have been better than detroit last week and, and so for that reason you know i i like the chargers moving forward i think they're a playoff team but uh not this week Okay, there are three games left over that I want to talk about. Okay. I don't want to talk about the Monday night game. Yeah. Bears, Reds. We'll games. talk about that maybe Sunday night if we have to. Yeah, we'll, we'll, that's, that's when we'll talk about it, if we must. Um, Saints Seahawks is one that has a lot of compelling uh, components to it. Obviously, the quarterback situation for the Saints. And for that reason, even though... So for feels super short, right? It's like the Seahawks are home. They have a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. But the Saints, you're like, I don't I don't have a clue what the Teddy Bridgewater-Taysom Hill hybrid could be, and it could be awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, who knows? Sean Payton is a, an absolute wizard back there. They could come out with something, and the Seahawks are not going to be prepared for it. And I think that is what makes this one so tough, is if you had seen the Saints once, with a game plan, maybe you have a better feel, but because you have no feel for them and the Seahawks won't have a feel for them and they have such a strong team kind of all around them, th- this one is a hard one for me to do. I, I When I look at this game, I, I see several ways the Saints can win. Um, I think the Saints have a way better defense than the Seahawks. The Seahawks gave up two touchdowns to Mason Rudolph after being ahead um, basically, you know, after Big Ben got hurt, Seattle still wants to run the ball too much on early downs True. and early in the game. Uh, 
and Russell Wilson has been terrific. But again, like in terms of like talent on the outside, they're getting by with with not that great of talent on the outside. Just Wilson being brilliant. There's always sort of this game every once in a while where Wilson isn't as good as you should be. Um, I think you know, obviously Bridgewater has not played well ever since he he's been on the Saints, but he's never they've never game planned with him as the quarterback before or Taysom Hill. So that team still has Michael Thomas. They still have Jared Cook. They still have uh, Alvin Kamara. They still have a pretty good offensive line. So for me, I think, uh, you know, I think it's Saints or nothing here. But I, I don't like it's so much unknown that I, I don't want to put it on sort of the, um, you know, the the list. I mean, Russell Wilson has been absolutely absurd uh, so far this season. Mm-hmm. And I am not willing to uh, to go against that. OK, two games left that are both interesting let's start with Steelers at 49ers the Niners are six and a half point favorites I've heard many wonderful trends about the last time the Steelers won on the road in San Francisco was 1942 and you know all this stuff but let's focus on the teams that are actually playing in this game and I have a claim that I want you to either agree with or uh tell me why I'm wrong um Mason Rudolph might not actually be a downgrade from Ben Roethlisberger, given how Roethlisberger has been playing. I agree. I, uh, we talked we talked about this in our article. Mason Rudolph is currently has the lowest rate of negatively graded throws. You know, he has 19 dropbacks, but you get what I'm saying. He's limiting those. Big Ben, on the other hand, over the last two seasons, was one of the highest players in terms of generating negatively graded throws. And turnover-worthy plays. That offense is designed for other people to take passes and make plays with them. If Mason Rudolph can make passes, you know, precise, accurate, things like that, they have a good offensive line, they have a good running back, they have a really good, you know, number one receiver and a bunch of, you know, pretty solid receivers other than Moncrief. Moncrief out of there, you'll be They're probably fine. And then Because James Washington, in fairness, he's he was a guy that Ben Rothsbury, you could see, just didn't have a good feel for. And now all of a sudden you have a quarterback that kind of understands the way that he plays. That maybe actually bumps him up mm-hmm. to being a legitimate like second or third option. You have Deontay uh, Johnson who made a nice play. Vance McDonald's a pretty good tight end. Also revenge game for Vance McDonald Ooh. being a former 49er. And then here's the other side of the ball. Because whenever I think about the Niners, I do think that that offense scares me. Right? I think about it last should. year Top on, a, five so far. on a Thursday night football Oh, you know, they were starting Nick Mullins and everybody bet on Oakland and Nick Mullins absolutely Just, shredded Oakland up. The thing is, I think the Steelers have some of the goods that can stop an offense like San Francisco. Oh. Minka Fitzpatrick in the inside, you know, covering inside yeah, against the tight ends, uh, you know, on those crossers. You also have Devin Bush, who they drafted to cover running backs out of the backfield mm-hmm. and to stop the run like you know, and then the San Francisco offensive line missing Joe Staley this week. I think that there's enough there there where I think the Steelers shouldn't be a seven, six and a half, seven point underdog. And in which case, I I kind of really like them here. Joe Staley doesn't worry me as much because Jimmy G's been getting the ball and like getting rid of the ball in like two point two seconds, right. so it doesn't matter. Um, and I don't I, the Pittsburgh um, defense doesn't worry me that much. Yeah. But here's the thing. It, to me, this is all about, is Mason Rudolph a competitive quarterback? Yep. Because if it is, then six and a half is too many points. And the way that you make him a non-competitive quarterback is you give him no shot at throwing to open receivers. Because there will be some. The, the Niners' coverage has played well so far, but it is not the, the greatest in the world. Mm-hmm. D. Ford and Nick Bosa, both injured. 
to be seen if they play. Surprise, surprise. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, great at scheming you know, those clean pockets, right? Good screen game, a lot of quick throws. Ben Roethlisberger um, enjoyed the most clean pockets of any quarterback, and a large portion of that was that he was setting records in terms of, of quick throws. Mm-hmm. I and mean, the guy was just getting out of there super quickly. And he was a guy that actually has been one of the worst throwers of the football in that ever-so-valuable 10 to 19-yard uh, range, below 70 pass rating past few years um, aggregated. So I actually think that Mason Rudolph is a competitive quarterback, and for that reason, six and a half is too many points. I hate betting against my Your guy. Niners. My but you'll guy. do it if you have to. My guy. So I'll do it if we have to. There's one more game we have to discuss, and that is an opportunity that I have been just waiting for. I have been waiting all offseason since the schedule. Waiting came all day out for Sunday night. For this moment, for Carrie Underwood to strut her stuff, show the world how special this night is. And then to have the opportunity to take Sean McVay as a three-point or less favorite against Fredford Kitchens and the Cleveland Browns yeah. in their first game in primetime in forever since, like, what, Tim Couch was playing or something like that? I mean, maybe. maybe. Um, probably. They probably haven't. They haven't been on Sunday Night Football since, what, 08? I think so. Uh, actually, I know. I think I know the answer to this. Oh um, seven, they were good with Derek Anderson, and I think that was probably the next year. And I then they, fi- I can find out for you. It was oh eight versus the Steelers. Yeah. was the last time. So they have no clue what is coming for them. The Rams, on the other hand, have dealt with this situation a lot over the past couple of years. They were the darling. They all of a sudden showed up on primetime a bunch. They've been embarrassed on the biggest stage in the Super Bowl. Um, they are ready for this situation. They have our third best team in terms of ELO, uh, PFF ELO ranking. The Browns are 19th. The Browns, uh, rightfully so. Rightfully so. The Browns just put on what is deemed a gritty, impressive performance. Stop. Stop. Against the Jets. Yeah. Who not were good. a disaster. I mean, a total An utter disaster. travesty. Yeah. The big touchdown that they had was a a violation of human rights for what Greg Williams did to that defense. Um, minus three, I get that they're on the road. I do not care. The Rams offense significantly better than the Browns offense and the Rams defense significantly better than the Browns defense and their coach. Even though my man Sean McVay has, he's not yet getting not there, there yet. the fourth downs. He's working on it. I, I have a growth mindset. He will get there. Well, the thing that you told me the, the other day about you know the the Browns and how they they did so many great things out of heavier personnel last mm-hmm. year, and now that they're running a lot of eleven, it just doesn't. Sh- it again, it's sort of this thing where we talk about these teams as if they make good or bad decisions, when in reality the majority of them just make decisions, and and some of them end up just being lucky. Well, that's. I'm glad you br- brought up that point. So that what I was mentioning was in. Uh, on first and second down with Kitchens last year, they were running a heavy set, two or fewer wide receivers, about 81% of the right. time. And now they have all these receivers. They're doing it about half the time. Big drop off. With Kitchens last year, their yards per play on early downs was first, and it's dropped to like 27th yep. or something this season. And Sean McVay has kind of done the opposite, where he said, my best players are my three receivers, so I'm going to play those guys. Yeah, yeah. And I don't care if it means I run 11 personnel 95% of the time. I'm going to do what is best for my team. 
Yep. And it allows them to run a lot of this tempo stuff after first downs, to run play action, bunch stuff that all looks the same, and it's it does well for his team. It seems like the Browns are doing the opposite, which is to say, well, now we have all these players. We have to make them happy. They want to do this. They want to do that. And it has not worked so far. Yeah. And so for me, I look at, okay, both these teams are struggling, um, but what is going to regress more quickly to what we expect? I think an undisciplined team like Cleveland is going to stay undisciplined. I mean, Miles Garrett had like three offside penalties the other day. They didn't correct a lot so of he, their... He leads the uh, the NFL in sacks and hits combined and penalties. Yeah, so, so and, and I don't think the Rams with Whitworth are really going to struggle as much with him as the Jets did with Calvin Beecham or whoever they have sure. at left tackle. Um, Havenstein might be another issue. But... Yeah, yeah. But so... I look at that and I'm 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 happy with that. Also, the defense for the Rams has played pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, they weren't tested so much by Newton and Bridgewater, but I don't think that this this Browns offense is anything to to write home about. Akib Talib and and Marcus Peters, Nikel Roby Coleman will be game for the the receivers they, the Browns have. This N- is a big one for them, right? Ninjoku's injured, so I don't think that he's going to play. Um, Tantalizing and frustrating, and and I think that Nick Chubb will. They'll try to establish the run with Nick yep. Chubb, which will I'm here just, for that, which we're here for. So this is this is a good one as well. Meanwhile, the At- Rams working Malcolm Brown. Malcolm yep. Brown looks. I, and I, I don't like to disparage Todd Gurley because I think he's a phenomenal athlete. Malcolm Brown yeah. has looked really solid. That offense with Malcolm Brown has been better with uh, passing the ball and running the ball yeah. significantly compared to when Todd Gurley is in the game. Yeah. But they seem to be willing to play him a significant amount. So I, I think it comes up to the down to these last two games. Yeah, the Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh uh, plus six and a half and Rams minus three. Where does your, your most uh, of your faith lie? Man, I... I like getting points, right? I think that sure. that's always a that's always a good a good thing. Um and I think we we now that the number is at six and a half, I'm less likely to like that as much with Pittsburgh. Um so let's take the let's take a good team to trounce a bad team. I've been waiting yeah. for this opportunity. So, so let's let's go Rams to take Sean McVay. Against Freddie Kitchens. Let's I've go Rams minus my three. There it is. So hopefully we get this one. We can make another donation to Cancer Research. Maybe you out there are inspired. You can get yourself some new sneakers. Have some fun with it. Um, we're going to close out on this. We have two quick stories from the Cincy Y. The first one is one that is pretty darn impressive. You've been working hard for this all off season, And finally it happened. Yeah, I... I Threw down. I, I dunked a basketball for the first One time attempt. since I was like in my late twenties. And it was mid. It wasn't like fresh into the gym. It was in between games. You just grab the ball, drop step, dunk, yeah. smash. And it was right before. I, th- I saw Steve doing it a bunch. I'm like, Steve's nine feet tall, and Steve's nine feet tall. So I figured, why, why not? Why not try? I hadn't, I hadn't so much as tried for a long time, but I hadn't done it in like you know probably six, seven years. And so, boom. Now it, it's awesome. And then you took that confidence. And spun it into a really inspired performance when we played in the next uh, the next game. We won. And that's really what I care about. I yep. care about winning. Yep. I count wins, not dunks. That's true. Um, here's my story. I am working out on Monday evening pretty late because uh, it had been a long day. And I'm at my, my gym in my apartment building. There's no one there. The lights are off when I walk in. So I'm like, this is going to be great. No one's going to be here. I put the Monday night game on. I turn it way up so I can hear it. I'm working out. And... Uh, about 30 minutes in, guy walks in with his, I want to say, 12-year-old daughter. Not a good start. <laughs> she 
is clearly the one that is there to I work you, out uh, because she's wearing like tennis shoes. My man has got flip flops and socks on. Same. And has a koozie with a tall boy. Stop. So, <sighs> so his poor daughter, and it's not like he's in great shape. His poor daughter goes over there and uh, hops on the elliptical, and he basically stands next to the elliptical. Now, notice, it's not like there's one elliptical here. He could theoretically also be working out, but no. Socks and sandals guy sits there sipping his beer, and I at least would expect this guy to be like, you know what? Like, take my daughter to the gym. Grab your Kindle. Just read a book. Sure, but Monday Night Football's on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, yeah. look, if you're going to you know, take your daughter to the gym, you're going to enjoy a beer, watch the game gets better oh no the e-network is on the middle tv it's on mute i i happened to catch him not looking at the game but entranced yeah on the e-network that's on mute with subtitles drinking a beer socks and sandals while his daughter is working out and that summed up uh humanity at this point and that's why i'm moving to mars <sighs> be an upgrade that was our show we'll be back early on uh, Sunday or Monday morning, and we're going to get the show up early for you yeah. as well. So if you're driving to work on Monday, you'll have it for you. Uh, enjoy the week and uh, take McVeigh against Freddie Kitchens. See you guys. In the dark, you shine.